0: Well, here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn, host, creator of the spiritual spiral. And thrilled you're here, thrilled you're listening. Um boy, I've got just you know this is this is obviously an intro for today's episode. But a lot of stuff on my mind that I'm going to try and condense into this intro before the rest of the episode. Some great episodes coming up this week, first off, with with Sasha O'Connor, a yoga teacher, and Mackenzie Webster, a therapist. I'm sort of in the midst of editing those. But I felt like I should offer an apology, try and articulate this as well as I can. You know, I, I created this podcast about two years ago talking about the impact of technology on our lives and social media on our lives because it's something that I'm struggling with and it's, it's had a huge impact, I think, on all of our lives, whether directly or indirectly with the people we come in contact with. And I did find myself become very intrigued with COVID-19 over the last few months And that may have made the show political. Maybe it turned the show towards a direction that I wasn't really anticipating. But I I did feel like this is sort of a a once-in-a-lifetime event happening. And I felt like it was important to talk about. And I also at first felt like my show... To try and offer is, is to try and offer some perspective like I'm not the only one that feels this way about social media or hopefully you're not the only one that feels this way or I'm trying to be sort of a voice of reason to be like hey you know I struggle with this but if you can manage it you can still write a book you can still record a record and then you can create a podcast where you're having these sort of deeper conversations with fellow human beings to try and add some perspective some humanity because I do feel like tech is sort of stripping some of the humanity, um, away from our culture. And I sort of was trying to remind people about the sort of innate qualities of having a conversation and how that can make you feel a lot better, feel more human, connect more with the sort of subtle nuances of our brains and our lives. So I, I, Felt like, despite all the chaos of tech and social media going on, this show was meant to be sort of a a relief from that. And so maybe I sort of got caught up in COVID nineteen and what it's doing to our world. But I, I guess I felt like it was having a similar effect. Like social media was sort of turning people into robots and making people feel like you have to spend all your time there, that, you know, everybody's communicating through DMs and texts and nobody's talking anymore. Well, it felt like COVID-19 sort of was an extension of that almost, where it was just causing everybody to feel fear. And the government was forcing us to stay home and even more people were using technology and and i just found it to be this sort of flood just ripping people up from underneath their lives and i got really i really struggled with this idea that if you didn't sort of buy it then you were considered a trump lover or a conservative and and i felt like there was nobody out there that was offering a voice of reason nobody out there was telling you how to deal with tech and social media, despite so many of your friends using it. I felt like it was important to remember to put the phone down and, and, and give yourself hours to not think of social media. And I felt like, very similarly, it was really important every day to not watch the media, feel like you're going to be okay. And this virus is no different from all the other viruses out there. I mean, look, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, but I still believe subconsciously or consciously that we're going to be okay. And so maybe I was using the show to make myself feel better, put myself at ease and put my listeners at ease that you can't get all caught up in social media and you can't get all caught up in the media because if you do... You're going to spend your whole day staring at your phone, staring at the media, watching the media, and just like stay home all day. And so I've been trying to reconcile this whole thing and, and talk about it because it's it's sort of mind-blowing to me what's gone on. And maybe the show sort of took a direction that was unexpected. Uh, so for that, I apologize. And I certainly am trying to figure this all out <laughs> because I've just been really intrigued by how the world has, has shifted. And it's even more perplexing to see that scientists and the government just thinks that everybody should stay home. And, and I do worry that the world that we know before this it will never happen again. But then I see and read stories where, gosh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this on today's episode, but Maybe the world just continues, and all this technology continues, and we're such a small little speck on the face of the, of the planet, of, of the thousands of years before and after us that, you know, does any of this really ultimately even matter in the grand scheme of things? I mean, it's it's maybe in a year from now, we're going to look back, and it was just a sort of minor hiccup, and the pandemic is gone. And life moves on. I just found myself really intrigued by what was happening. It just, it felt surreal to me. And it did feel like another sort of example of like the powers to be want you to feel something. And I guess as a yoga teacher, I just, I felt like it was important to sort of offer some perspective help people to think objectively and not be influenced, which ultimately sort of leads me to the theme of, of my episode today, I started to think about, like, maybe we're all right. Not A-L-R-I-G-H-T, but we're all individually correct. You know, Jerry Steinfeld writes this op-ed piece about New York City, and then this other comedian writes about New York City and how it's going to explode, or not not literally explode, but it's basically like falling apart. I mean, maybe in our own perspectives, we all live our own lives and, and we think that we're right. And then it's so easy to go online and find an article or an opinion that supports your point of view and then ultimately makes you think even more so that you're correct and right. So maybe that's why we're struggling with hearing other people's perspectives now because we innately now think that everything we're thinking has to be right. I know it's, it's complicated, but I'm going to dive in with that today, or I'm going to dive into that with today's episode. This notion of are we all right? Are we all correct? And I'm also going to talk about Ellen Page a little bit. And about a recent podcast that she had with Mark and She was on the show, and I found it really interesting listening to her. Just this idea of being vulnerable in this sort of public eye today, I think that's scary as hell. So I wanna talk about that. And remember, if you find the show enjoyable, please head over to iTunes, give it a review, ideally a five star review. You gotta share the show with your friends, please. That would be incredible. I'm also creating content, music, episodes, my cat meowing in the background specifically for Patreon subscribers. So head over, no, no Leo, head over to patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn. Check it out. I'm creating content and episodes, music, playlists, live videos specifically for my subscribers. So head over there. That would be incredible. Leo will not stop. Oh, Leo, no. <laughs> it's crazy in here right now. And last thing, head over to my website, iameddycone.com where you can join the newsletter. I try to put out a newsletter like once a month or so. So head over to iameddycone.com as well. And you know, I'm going to tell a story. Also, you know, I'm I'm not immune to the fear that the media, the press, the politicians have spread throughout our culture. And I'll, I'll share a story in a moment. But I hear my cat in the background. Can you hear that? He's he's licking his fur. So. Just a couple more points here about the pandemic, and then I'll get on with the, uh, the other parts of the show. You know, the CDC came out like five, six days ago, had, and this was in the New York Times, had a new statistic that said just 6% of the 150,000, 160,000 people that died from COVID-19, they only had COVID-19 marked as a cause of death or that was the only underlying condition that they had. So of the 150, 60,000 people that have died, only 9,000 died from COVID-19. The other 94% had heart disease, diabetes, and innumerable a list of other medical conditions. And again, this is not making light of these people dying. I'm not trying to be insensitive here, But we do have to sort of put this into perspective. Well, before we even put it in perspective. So immediately when I hear that statistic, I think to myself, how did the CDC screw this thing up? Or did they keep all that information from the public? And then, then I start to think to myself, well, you know, if you get cancer and then you end up taking chemo, and then you end up getting pneumonia because your immune system is really low, and then it ultimately ends up being pneumonia that kills you. Well, is, is the cause of death gonna be cancer because originally you had cancer, which then led to chemo, which then led to pneumonia, which then led to your death? I mean, it, this sounds strange, but we've never really had this discussion before. You know, when, when does the CDC or, the mortuary, or whoever is involved in deciding how these people die. How is that decision made? And, you know, again, I don't want this to sound morose, but I I guess this is my point. It seems to me that the powers to be out there wanted people to be scared. That was the goal. Whether it was ultimately to then blame Donald Trump for the terrible response whether it was pharmaceutical companies that want to make more money, whether it was the media's agenda to get your attention, clearly this whole situation, there, there have been so many holes in, in the way this story has been delivered. And I almost think to myself, if this microscopic look at this current virus had happened over the last 20 years throughout the flu season, if there was running tabulations of, de- of death if the CDC kept reporting, if Dr. Fauci kept reporting different things every few days, do you think any of this would be any different than previous years? No, I don't think so. This is the first time in history there has been been a 24-7 hyper-analysis of germs of a COVID-19 coronavirus unlike anything we've ever seen before. It's even affected, of course it's affected me. I was at Bay Cities the other day getting a sandwich and there was this guy behind me in line coughing and I turn around and and I look down at the line on the floor and and he's not six feet away and I'm thinking to myself, God, am I kind of an asshole for turning around and glaring at him a little bit? But then I, because here I am saying that we shouldn't be scared, but then when there's this guy coughing nonstop behind me, I'm thinking to myself, well, can, can you stay six feet away from me? You know, it's this, this level of fear has permeated our culture. And I'm not immune to it. You're not immune to it. We all experience it. But it gets to the point where if fear wins, then I think people will stop truly living. So John Rappaport writes this amazing article on his blog, and I have to read it to you because to me, it really depicts what's, what's happened to our culture. Hopefully my internet, here we go. I won't read the whole thing, but it's called, How Many People Have Psychological COVID. For months, I've been laying out evidence that a new coronavirus was never properly discovered. The diagnostic tests are therefore meaningless, and most of the people who are sick are suffering more traditional illnesses, illnesses, which have been repackaged under the empty umbrella label COVID. Of course, most people in the world have a religious belief in the new virus, and that opens the door to psychological COVID. Here is what it can look like. A person is watching TV for hours. He's treated to -to wall-to-wall news, ads, public service announcements, all about the virus and the pandemic. After days and weeks and months of this solid conditioning, he's in the COVID frame of mind. He's in the context, the box, the pattern, the storyline. He occasionally feels a bit of this and that, a scratchy throat, a sniffle. So he thinks, maybe this is the start of COVID. One day he has a headache. He thinks, didn't they say that could be a symptom too? He takes his temperature. It's 99.8. He tries to remember. Isn't my normal always a bit low? He calls his sister and asks her. She says, yes, you usually came up 98. Why? What's the matter? Nothing. I have a little cough so I took my temperature. It was 99.8. His sister immediately says, call the doctor. And then he says, I'll be fine. You don't know that. Call the doctor, his, his, his sister says. After talking to his sister, his throat feels raw. He makes some tea. He putters around the apartment. He feels tired. For a second, a pain shoots up his arm. They said the virus could cause a heart problem. He goes to the fridge, takes out half a cake, and eats a large slice. Now he really feels tired, so he lies down and goes to sleep. When he wakes up, his nose is stuffed. He walks into the bathroom and blows his nose. He looks at himself in the mirror. His eyes are a little red. His face is pale. He coughs three times. He calls his doctor. A nurse says, well, you might have a few symptoms. You should come in and get tested. The next day he does. For two days while he's waiting for the results, he's sneezing on and off. His head is stuffed. He's sleeping more than usual. His limbs ache a bit. Is he feeling a chill or is that a breeze blowing in through the screen? If you told him his thoughts and his mindset could be bringing on physical symptoms, he wouldn't believe you. Every year for the last 10 years, he's had at least one episode of cough, sneeze, fever, and he's thought nothing of it. But if you reminded him of that now, he wouldn't pay attention. No, this is different. He begins to feel fear. Powerful. You know, again, I'll I'll share with you a quick story here. I was working out on my sidewalk maybe a month ago, maybe two months ago. I work out on the sidewalk probably three, four times a week. And this woman across the street, this was actually a few weeks after the George Floyd incident. This older woman across the street, uh, a black woman, probably in her late 50s, early 60s, is waving at me while I'm working out. And, And I'm you know, slightly confused, but I I walk towards her. I walk across the street and she says, um, either a squirrel or a snake, I don't remember what it was, um, has gotten into her apartment and it's hiding behind, actually, I think it was a a lizard. She said a big lizard um, scooted, I don't know what a lizard does, but scooted into her apartment and hid underneath the, the refrigerator. So she wanted me to come inside her place and help her. And I've never met this woman before. And right away, I'm and this was, you know, a couple months ago. So COVID-19 and the fear was really taking over our culture. Right away, I'm thinking, well, do I I, I don't know how sanitized her place is and Is she gonna wear a mask? Should I go home and put on a mask first? And should I put up gloves on? So it's like I didn't know what to do. And then, and then my the worst part about it was, I could tell she could feel my hesitation. So then I'm thinking, does she think I'm racist because she's black, I'm white? So then I'm sensitive to that because the whole George Floyd incident had literally just happened like a few weeks previous to that. So I'm like completely paralyzed, and I'm thinking, what do I do? I want to help this woman but I I don't want to allow the COVID-19 fear to prevent me from helping her. So I say, you know, I'll be right back. So I feel like an imbecile, but I go home, I put on some gloves, I get my mask, and then I go inside her place and help her. Ultimately, we couldn't get the snake or lizard out from underneath the refrigerator. But I mean, that's the thing. As much as I think we're all being duped, I still have those moments of fear. It's normal. I, you know, this is not meant to make people that experienced fear to feel stupid. It's a normal response, especially if you watch the news or pay attention or see the mask wearers everywhere. If you pay attention to all of that stuff, even if you don't read the news, but if you go outside to the grocery store and see people terrified, it's, it's enough to make you terrified. And I think nobody out there and I think that's the other, ultimately, the reason why I've talked about it. Because me, being a germaphobe for most of my adult life, if even I think this is ridiculous, I think it's important to really pay attention to what you're listening to, what you're consuming, and not get caught up in the addiction of tech, and not get caught up in the fear that the media is pushing on us every single day. I was listening to Ellen Page on the Mark Marin show a couple of days ago. I was really struck by this, this moment in the show where she's talking about navigating her personal life publicly. And I was thinking, gosh, in this, you know, all these people out there that post selfies on Instagram or the, even these yoga teachers that post these, these virtuous quotes about how you should live your life or, or just even any, anybody that posts a quote, all that bullshit on Instagram, it's, it's, it's so easy to do. You know, it it really is easy, because it's it's virtue signaling. You're pretending to be something, and I think to myself, people that really and and I'm not up, I'm not raising celebrities on a pedestal here. I, I'm thinking anybody out there, whether you're recording a podcast, living your life with your friends, putting yourself out there, being open about what's what's really going on. That to me. Is an act of bravery. All the selfie bullshit that's going on on in Instagram—there is no bravery in that. And so, I just—I really was struck by Ellen's bravery. Just, and even Mark mentions in the podcast, boy, it, it takes a lot of strength these days to be sensitive and and live in this world. So, boy, I just—I really connected with that. You know, I—I I, I certainly am sensitive, and the way that I live my life, and. My writing and my podcasting comes from the heart. So I, I want to talk about that today on today's episode. And I'll play a clip uh, from the podcast. And I also, you know, I've talked about New York City, you know, quite a bit over the last year and a half. And, and I sort of have this love-hate relationship with New York. It's It's a great place to visit, but Boy, just the energy there feels so overwhelming, and I couldn't imagine living there. And, and every time I go, I'm just struck by human be- the human behavior that I see, everybody just face down, staring at their phones, and just the, the crowds, um, the noise, it, it is such a it's a bombardment on the senses. So I want to talk about this piece that was written in the Atlantic. And then Jerry Seinfeld's op-ed piece about New York City, which was inspired by a comedian comedy club owner who basically is saying that New York is dead. And then I started to think to myself, is all these various opinions are coming out about New York City, and I certainly have mine. I, I almost feel like we live in a day and age where everybody thinks they're right. And maybe they are. Maybe everybody in their own experience um, is living their truth. And you could go online and find some examples that will um, support your opinion of New York City or opinion of the world. And I guess here's my one point before I dive into it. Before I dive into it further in the episode, I have a hard time believing that Jerry Seinfeld, this uber wealthy billionaire living in his penthouse in Manhattan, really has a pulse on what's really going on in New York City. And so I I just, I can't help but be a bit agitated when these uber-wealthy white guys, privileged white guys, write an article in the New York Times proclaiming that New York City is is not dead and that it's going to be just as vibrant as ever. And again, you know, he's just, to me, potentially out of touch with reality. So I, I think that's something I want to talk about on today's episode. And, and again, I'm, I'm certainly not living your life. I'm not inside your body. But just I try to, I think this is really important, to try and be connected with different perspectives and then ultimately come up with your own point of view. But the world that I see in New York City and then reading these articles about it, I have a hard time believing Again, based on the high rent, the close quarters, the living conditions, the fear that the media has promulgated, the homelessness, the high cost of living, the the amount of restaurants everywhere that are closing. I have a hard time believing that New York City will be what it was. We're going to dive in and talk about that on today's episode. So um, remember, if you enjoy the show, please head over to iTunes, write a review, give it a five star. I just released an episode talking to my friend Darren Campbell just yesterday. I just released it. Um, That's available to anybody publicly. I also had a great conversation with Seisha O'Connor. And Mackenzie Webster, Seisha's a yoga teacher. Mackenzie's a, uh, a psychologist. Those will, both go, those will both go live next week. Um, but again, as, as I mentioned earlier, I just created a Patreon for my subscribers. So this episode will only be available for subscribers. Head over to patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn. Subscribe so you can listen to the full episode in its entirety. So as always, thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. I'll be right back after this little quick musical interlude with the rest of today's episode. Um, again, thanks to my subscribers for being here. I just I was really intrigued, and I was really I really connected to Ellen Page. Just um, I don't know. I think there's not enough credit given to living in this world now as a creator, as an introvert. Being vulnerable out there in the world it's, it's just it's not easy to navigate and I, and I do feel like social media has sort of like created this world where whether you like it or not, your life is is sort of public and I, of course you know I value my privacy here um, immensely, so I just think it's it's a scary place to be living this world where at any moment somebody could vomit at you or take the words you say the wrong way. So I want to play this clip. Of Ellen Page talking with Mark Maron on the Mark Maron podcast.
1: But, you know, it took time. It took time and t- significant time to get more and more comfortable with with that. Right. Like, you know, before coming out publicly, it was very like, okay, here's just like, you know, n- now I'm ready to really do this. But, up, you know, leading up until that point, it was very just, yes, I assumed it was like, you know. It wasn't something that I was like hiding necessarily in my like personal life anymore. Um, right, just hadn't sort of done that, you know, taken that like public public step. Um, but it took you know it took it, it took time to even just get comfortable with like mentioning that my girlfriend was coming to visit when right. I'd be shooting a film or something. Like it took me a long time to even get there. And then someone might say something to you who thinks they're being... I, I don't know what they're thinking. Like, another actor. Right. That could be, like, one little comment that they never remember. You know, all... You know, so many of the things that have been said to me that, like, can then really, you know, make you go, ooh, you know, and, like, kind of get scared again. You know? Right. right. Um Or an agent say something or somebody make a joke and you get scared again. Like, you know, if right. some kind of comment could get made is all I mean, like, that could then make you go like, oh no. And like kind of retract away. Again. So it, it became like a bit of that kind of an experience. It's terrible. It's, it's like, because you're, you know, you, you seem very kind of, um, you know, sensitive and, and I, I'm pretty sensitive, but I, you know, over years, you really learn how to, uh, kind of navigate in a, in a, um, with a certain guard up, you know, and, uh, it just sort of becomes a thing. And, you know, it, it becomes a difficult, uh, thing to believe that, that being out in the world and being sensitive is good. (laughs) Mm Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the point of that? Right. (laughs) (laughs) That just seems fucking crazy. So, During all that time, you start, you just just, build up a certain amount of strength around.
0: I just, I really connect with that because it does feel fucking crazy to be sensitive and live in this world that we've created right now. And coupled with the, the cancel culture, coupled with, I mean, Ellen was talking about, you know, a, a sort of an innocuous comment can just like spin you or turn you the wrong way. I mean, that's the thing. You uh, the, you know, the, the world somehow is, is clapping or raising up. The more followers you have, the better, you know, and... And you know, with this this running tab, the higher the number, the better. But I, I I have to tell you, I I don't know if that's really health health I, I don't know health-wise if that's the case. I don't think it's a good thing that millions of people can reach out to you or follow you or say whatever they want, especially if you're sensitive. And then of course, the world will say something like, or your friends will say, "Well, you know, just just don't think about it." Or, "Oh, come on, just I was only kidding." And, and again, that's really sort of dehumanizing you because feelings are, are 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 a real thing. It's you can't just. I mean, maybe you can over time. I guess I certainly have, have have tried. It's just to sort of shut feelings down and and keep them quiet, but they they sort of have this force of their own where. They're, they're not easy to control and it, it does feel like to navigate this world now you have to not feel <laughs> um, numb out and just sort of go along with what everybody else is doing because if, if you take the chance to sort of express feelings that are different from your friends different from what the world wants you to feel, then you're going to be susceptible to attack. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, I mean, again, I can see why people just go along with the crowd, keep their mouth shut, because it's already difficult to navigate a world with, you know, a girlfriend, husband, boyfriend, Few family members, some great friends, but then to put yourself out there completely on social media, boy, and a part, a part of me thinks that that you're just a fool because the amount of toxic energy that I think uh, is permeated through the psyche through social media is is so challenging to navigate that that uh, I, I you could even feel Mark feeling sorry for Ellen because. It's it's just no easy task to navigate this world as an introvert, as a creator, or as someone who is sensitive. You know, I've talked a lot about New York City and sort of my... My, my attitude towards New York is I, I like it for a couple of days. Similar, similarly to Vegas, that's a hard word to say. Similarly, similarly to Vegas, uh, I enjoy it for a couple of days, and then it's sort of like get me out of there. And I don't know if New York City is ever going to be the same. And so then these articles start coming out. Um, this comedian wrote an article, not not a scathing review, quote unquote, about New York, but basically saying that new york is 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 never coming back. It's dead. And so then Jerry Seinfeld writes an op-ed piece for The New York Times, in recounting his first experience with New York. And then he says, one thing I know for sure, the last thing we need in the thick of so many challenges is some putts on LinkedIn, wailing and whimpering, everyone's gone, I want 2019 back. So already, you know, he's aggressively calling this um, comedy club owner a putts. Oh, shut up, he says, imagine being in a real war with this guy by your side. Listening to him go, I used to play chess all day. I could meet people. I could start any type of business. Wipe your tears, wipe your butt, and pull it together. He says he knows people who have left New York for Maine, Vermont, Tennessee, Indiana. I have been to all of these places many, many times over many decades. And with all due respect and affection, are you kidding me? He says everyone's gone for good. How the hell do you know that? You moved to Miami. Yes, I also have a a place out on Long Island, but I will never abandon New York City, ever. (laughs) Again, you know, Jerry Seinfeld has a place on Long Island. He's a billionaire. It is so easy for him to call this guy a putz and say the people are whimpering or whining. This guy is a billionaire, I've never, I've always liked Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian, but to me, Jerry Seinfeld, the human being has always felt like an egomaniac. Every time I've heard him on a show or read his art, an article about him or seen him on television, I've seen an immense narcissist who loves himself, who has no conception with the, um, uh, The real human being. And even his show, Comedians in Cars, he's driving around in uber-expensive cars, talking to fellow millionaire or billionaires, talking about life for like 15, 20 minutes. And the entire time, his personality of narcissism just like oozes off the TV screen. Jerry Seinfeld has no conception of what's really going on in New York from his high-rise expensive penthouse in manhattan leo's back so here's okay so let me bring up a couple more points here leo no and I, I promise this is going to get to my final point i read something online and it feels like we are trying to obtain affirmation instead of information so you know we have jerry Seinfeld saying that New York is going to be back. And then I just read an uh, an article in the New York Times where more people are fleeing the city and moving to the suburbs than ever before. And then there's another article that I read in the Summit News where two in five New Yorkers want to leave the city. So you have all these perspectives. You have Jerry Seinfeld, you have the stand-up comedian, and and then I read this article. A new survey has found that two in five New Yorkers want to leave the city, citing concerns over the faltering COVID economy and violent crime. The survey carried out by the Manhattan Institute found that 22% think the anemic economy is the biggest issue affecting the city, while 21% are concerned about crime and public safety. Figures show that shootings have doubled and murders are up 50% on the same period last year. This all unfolded after Mayor Bill de Blasio celebrated emptying out New York prisons to protect inmates from the coronavirus. I mean, that is factually happening right now. It was happening in San Francisco and now it's happening in New York. Imagine, just, just fathom, fathom that. The mayors are unleashing prisoners and putting them in hotels because they're more concerned about the so-called coronavirus. The survey found that two in five New Yorkers say that they would leave the city if they had the ability to live anywhere they wanted. There was also a 44% 44 increase in home sales in the suburbs compared to the same time period last year as people flee for bigger homes in safer areas. With the economy on its knees, trash-strewn streets, violent crime soaring, and people now working remotely from home, there's literally no reason to live in a big city anymore, and people are fleeing in droves. And then, of course, you have Jerry Seinfeld, who's saying that New York is, is never going to die. And, of course, I can't help but connect a little bit with this article where I, I just don't see New York City recovering from, from this mess. And so I start to think to myself, are we, like, are, are we becoming so ingrained in our own thinking our own opinions. And I guess I see the irony here because maybe, you know, I guess my I'm trying to offer other opinions. I'm trying to help people hear other perspectives that might not be comfortable. You know, the world just assumes that social media and technology is good. But then when I speak to teachers who are using Zoom and Microsoft Teams right now with their students, and none of them are learning, even their AP students are not learning, they, be, they may be hearing the information, but they're actually not learning the information. When one teacher after another is saying how incredibly problematic using technology to teach is for their school systems, I think it's important to hear that, that point of view. When the world thinks that social media and technology is innocuous and it's just helpful, but I, on the other hand, think that it's creating more disconnection, I think it's important to have that opinion. I think it's important to hear that perspective. So you hear the opinions of Jerry Seinfeld. You hear the opinions where other writers are saying New York City is going down the toilet. So which one is the truth? Or are we so hell-bent on being right being affirmed, hearing our own point of view, not being able to listen to other points of view, is it impossible to enact any sort of perspective or change? I think that's one of the major hurdles that we're facing as a society right now. And I actually, I see it every time I go bike riding on Saturday. You have, of course, people that are, paying attention to others when they pass, thinking about others. But then you see a multitude of people where, despite you're on a bike lane, there's people riding scooters. There's people riding electric bicycles, which are going way too fast. There are people that are walking the wrong direction. And I feel like at any moment, an accident can happen. And the reason why so many accidents are happening is because people aren't thinking about others. I mean, when you're riding on this bike path like I do every Saturday, I, I'm, of course, enjoying myself. But I find like I have to really think about others and make sure I don't run into somebody. And that if I'm going to pass somebody, I need to make sure somebody on an electronic bicycle isn't like whizzing by me and going to hit me. We are living in a culture now where less people are thinking about others. Everybody has an opinion who thinks they're right. And it leaves us in this state now where I don't see the answer here. I, I think, and I, I feel a little frustrated myself because I have a lot of comments and commentary on our society and I certainly see the issues, but it's hard for me to find a solution. And I I think short. Cited here, I think we need to get into the practice of thinking about others. I talk about creators. People don't think about the work that goes into making music or making a movie. When you're going for a bike ride, you need to think of others. If you're walking on a bike path the wrong direction, clearly this person is not thinking about others. And Jerry Seinfeld isn't thinking about the lower-to-middle-class human being? I mean, what perspective does Jerry Seinfeld actually have on what's really going on in New York City? Everything that this episode has been about, I'm thinking right now, is bringing some perspective towards an issue or towards a person or towards a belief that people almost don't want you to talk about. And what's happening now is be- this, this amalgamation of social media, the media, and now even COVID-19 is making people even more selfish, more myopic, and it's creating a more every-man-for-himself attitude. And I think it's it's incredibly problematic right now. We need more sympathy, more awareness, and thought towards others than ever before. A lot of information on today's episode. If you have enjoyed it, please send me an email. I'm sorry, please reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter. Any questions or comments at Eddie Cohn. I'm releasing content specifically for my own subscribers. You can check that out at patreon.com backslash Eddie Visit IamEddieCohn.com and join the newsletter. Please head over to iTunes, write a review, give the show a five-star All of that is incredibly helpful, and I've thoroughly enjoyed sharing a lot of information with you. I hope you found some of it to be insightful, and I've got a couple great podcasts coming up with my friend Matt Derry. We talk about sports. I finally finally also finished editing the conversation that I had with Mackenzie Webster. She's a, a psychologist here in Los Angeles. That should drop on Tuesday or Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, and supporting the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast.